Power Hour here at CJLO, 16.90 a.m. in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dom Demeester. Uh, already late June. Crazy how time flies, Dominic. We have the NBA playoffs already being over. We got the NHL playoffs uh, in full swing. Well, not the NHL finals in full swing right now. Uh, Dominic, sorry. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing amazing, William. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Always good to talk some football, talk some sports. I uh, love this kind of a good break during my week. The Golden State Warriors win another championship, Dominic. They beat the Boston Celtics in six games. Uh, very good series. It was, uh, you know, it was a tight series throughout. I know people are looking at it. They look every single game finished in double digits in terms of team that won. They won by over uh, double digits, which was, you know, kind of surprising because I felt like these teams were fairly evenly matched. Um but yeah, I still thought like, look, 4-2 was kind of what I expected. I picked the Warriors in six. They come out on top. They do it again. Steph Curry finally getting his finals MVP. That was really the only thing he was missing. The Warriors' uh, dominancy continues. And uh, yeah, I think that this team is only going to be getting better. And they're still young. And I can see them uh, winning a few more championships within the next few years. Yeah, they've been on fire within the last decade. Obviously, we had a couple of years that they had a, a few injuries here and there that they had to climb through. But at the same time, that got them the opportunity to get some good draft picks. So Golden State, yes, I completely agree with you. This team is going to be around, if not for the next decade. 100% Dominic. And then we got the NHL playoffs to talk about, right? NHL finals, I believe it's 2-1 right now. Yes, the NHL finals are in full swing. The Tampa Bay Lightning came back. Tampa Bay came out strong, put up six goals at home. This series seems to be a series where you have the home team really excelling, and I don't see them letting go of that momentum. If you got the momentum, you got an opportunity. Really? Yeah, honestly, Dominic, it's that simple. And when uh, Colorado went up 2 nothing, a few people were saying, you know, maybe the series is over, Colorado's going to win the Stanley Cup. But like, no, nah, Tampa Bay's too good of a team to put away. I ultimately think that Colorado will be victorious and win the Stanley Cup, but I think it's going to go down so far. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven. And uh, like you said, Dominic, we have the home team winning every single game. Let's jump to football now, Dominic. Uh, let's go to Cleveland. Deshaun Watson, the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, kind of mucky and no one really knows what's happening there. Um Right now, Deshaun Watson, like no really step, I guess I could say forward in terms of if he's going to play or not. Uh, another allegation being filed against him. Uh, this has just been, you know, kind of continuing and we don't really know uh, what's happening. And a lot of people are saying like, look, Deshaun Watson seems to be a bit guilty now uh, because he's uh, he's doing a lot more to kind of, I think he's, he was paying and, and um you know, putting money to kind of uh, to, to prove his innocence. So a lot of people are, are suspicious about that. And if he doesn't play, if he doesn't start, what do they do with Baker Mayfield? Because, look, obviously they made it clear they don't want Baker Mayfield to be the starting quarterback in Cleveland. If you're Baker, are you helping out a team that didn't want you and says, look, like, play the first few games with us until Deshaun Watson hopefully comes back and then it will kick you to the side? This is a tricky situation for Baker because, like, if I'm him and, if, if like, you know, you know Baker and kind of the attitude he has, I don't know if he's going to want to play for Cleveland. He doesn't want to be anybody's second, you know, second choice and play until the star quarterback comes in. Uh, so the Cleveland Browns have said they don't want to get rid of uh, Baker Mayfield. They don't want to trade him. They don't want to release him. But, uh, you know, I think that it's, it's just going to be inevitable at this point. I don't know if I can see either of these guys playing in a Cleveland Brown uniform when the season starts. Uh, yeah, because right now things are, are continuing to be a little bit um, not clear, I guess, to say the least, in Cleveland. 
Yeah, things are very foggy in Cleveland, but I think the organization knew exactly what they were doing when they signed Deshaun Watson. They knew there was a possibility that the NFL would strike a year suspension, and that's why they signed Jacoby Brissett as a backup quarterback. I think the Baker Mayfield story in Cleveland is over. You can't really bring a guy back after the way you guys kind of like let him go. It's over for Baker Mayfield in the Cleveland Browns uniform. You could bank on that. I could see Jacoby Brissett starting the season week one. Uh, if the NFL is really going to strike Deshaun Watson, you know, hard with regards to a suspension, I wouldn't be surprised if it is a one-year suspension. It would be a lot, but then yeah. again, so are the allegations. So that being said, we'll have to see how it all plays out. But right now, I could see Jacoby Brissett being the quarterback week one for those Cleveland Browns. And honestly, Dominic, that's not like, uh, you know, completely outside the box there because like I'm kind of with you in the sense that I didn't ask you the question straight up, but my bet right now and my gut is telling me that I don't think Deshaun Watson will take the field at all this year. I just think there's there hasn't been enough progress made. If anything, I think like over the weeks, things have been gotten worse um, for him there. And, you know, people just don't know at the end of the day, like. We, we don't know the truth. And, you know, only Deshaun Watson knows. Only those who have filed the allegations against him know the truth. Uh, I just think this is too complicated right now. There's just too many, like, little details to sort through and big details as well, obviously. I don't think Cleveland uh, will have, uh, you know, either Baker Mayfield or Deshaun Watson playing quarterback for them this year. If I had to ask you, Dominic, is there, I'd say, you're a betting man, if I say, Half a game played for Deshaun Watson in a Cleveland Browns uniform this year. Taking the over or taking the under? A half a game? Yeah. So, like, like basically, I'm just thinking, is he going to play? Is he going to yeah, play? Yeah, he the- will. He will. You think um, so? It will all come down to, obviously, the allegations and how it all comes out. The NFL is still going to want to clearly put their foot down and put their own judgment on the situation with regards to how it reflects the NFL. So that said, I think that you're going to see a minimum of a six-game ban right now. Earlier on, I thought it was going to be probably only a three-game. But the more that we're evolving with this story, we're seeing that it's most likely minimum going to be six-game. But the NFL seems to be leaning towards a year suspension. That's the thing, Dominic. And like, that's kind of why I said I'm not sure if I can see um, you know, Deshaun Watson taking the field for them this year just because like the longer this goes on the worse it's getting um and look obviously this affects Deshaun Watson it affects Baker Mayfield uh directly indirectly where does that leave him Dominic you know like obviously there's a lot of teams looking for quarterbacks uh, a steady quarterback Baker Mayfield hasn't had you know the career that people had hoped he would have coming out of Oklahoma I'm just pulling up his stats here uh, in 2018, 27 TDs to 14 picks. The year after, 22, 21. 2020, at 26 touchdowns to eight picks. And then 2020, sorry, 2020. And then 2021, he has the 17 touchdowns to 13 interceptions and 83.1 QB rating. Uh, that's just unfortunately not going to get it done for him. Do you think he can join a team that really needs a quarterback and kind of provide a spark for them? Uh, do you think his, you know, kind of his career in the NFL is over? I know that may be a little bit premature, but look, he's 27 years old. It's kind of tough to switch teams, learn a whole new system, uh, be with a bunch of uh, different water series that you've never thrown to before and kind of learn, uh, you know, their tendencies and everything. Unfortunately for Baker, Dominic, like I think his best days are, are past him just in the sense that like, I, I think he, you know, he was set up to succeed for the Cleveland Browns. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, getting Odell Beckham was lot, something that a lot of people thought would work uh, and that connection would be great. And unfortunately it wasn't. Um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of uh, 
curious to see what's going to happen with Baker. But, you know, if I'm a team that wants a quarterback and, you know, doesn't have a super stable quarterback situation, I'm taking a chance at Baker. Uh, but if you're asking me, Dominic, I don't know if I can see Baker kind of putting a team on his back and leading them to, uh, to the playoffs anytime soon. Yeah, the team would definitely need to be front loaded on offense and he mm-hmm. would have to be a game manager. That's how I see Baker Mayfield moving forward with his career. I do believe if his injury wasn't too bad and we're, we get to see that accuracy show up on tape. And uh, I believe we will. I think Baker Mayfield will play in the NFL next season. I think that right now we're going to start seeing as we get closer to training camp, who actually loves their quarterback situation. And we all know there's a few holes out there that we can completely highlight. Last week, we talked about Atlanta. Last week, we also talked about those Seattle Seahawks. This week, I'm going to bring in the Carolina Panthers because what we're hearing right now out of the Panthers camp is that they're struggling still at the quarterback position. And it starts with Sam Darnold. If you ask me, I saw him last year. This guy is not the answer. So they did draft Matt Carell. Unfortunately, Matt Corral is also really struggling in camp. And we all know PJ Walker is really an XFL player, meaning I do not see a quarterback right now in Carolina. And I'll put my hand in the fire that Sam Darnold will not be the week one quarterback. I guarantee you that. That being said, who is it going to be? And that might be Baker Mayfield, might be Jimmy G, but Carolina will have a starting quarterback that will not be Sam Darnold in week one. Hey, I like that take Dominic. And look, obviously we still got time. You know, we talk about like a lot of these guys still being free agents. We talked about wide receivers a lot on the shows, you know, maybe teams are waiting, you know, for like to get further into mini camp, you know, maybe even for the preseason to start. And then unfortunately we get injuries happen then. And then like, you know, a guy like, like one of those quarterbacks, you know, becomes like a really sexy name out there. And then you got um, teams trying to go after them. But uh, yeah, you know, like I, I kind of like would have to agree with you there in Carolina. I don't think the quarterback situation is great. I do think that Sam Darnold will ultimately be the starting quarterback there. I, I think that the reason they're keeping him dumb is they invested a lot in him. Um, and, you know, they really, really tr- want to try and make it work. But eventually, you know, you kind of got to cut your losses. And I think that's what's going to ultimately happen in Carolina. So I could see him starting the first four or five games for them, unfortunately struggling. Um, and then, you know, kind of get the boot. But you asked me, I believe it was last week or the week before, who is the biggest threat to the Bucks in that division? And I said the Panthers, but I, I don't like changing my answer. But I'm going to have to change my answer to the Saints, Dominic. And maybe that's a whole different discussion. But thinking about it now, I just think that, like, with New Orleans, things are a little bit more... Not a lot more, a little bit more, I guess you can say, organized there. They know who their QB is going to be. They know they have a QB1 uh, heading into the uh, the season or uh, like somebody who they have played it at the, the number one starting quarterback position. But there also are a few question marks, right? The offseason of Alvin Kamara there. Michael Thomas is how good or not good will he be? coming back from that injury. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, you know, that division is definitely the Bucks to win. But I want to stick with the Cleveland Browns, Dominic. Kareem Hunt asking for an extension to stay with those Browns. Uh, great one-two punch between him and Nick Chubb. I like it because, honestly, if I'm Hunt, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe I could be a, a starting running back somewhere else and get more touches. You know, with Kansas City, uh, I've proven that I could be a very good running back. Uh, you know, fairly, I wouldn't say inconsistent there, but... Uh, after his um his you know start to his NFL career, which where he had a crazy game, uh, I think that you know people had extremely high hopes for him. And like he has done well, he's been a very good uh, running back for the Cleveland Browns in that one-two punch. Um, 
Kind of curious to see him, but I do like it. I feel like this decision by him is a team first move. You say, look, I like being with the Cleveland Browns. I like where I'm at. Uh, I like being, uh, you know, alongside of Nick Chubb and learning from like one of the best running backs in football. Um, he wants to get the extension. If, if I'm the Cleveland Browns, you know, like, of course, I'm thinking about giving it to him. But, you know, maybe can you trade a guy like Kareem Hunt to a team that's really thirsty for a running back, Dominic, that really needs kind of that solid three-down back for them? Do you think Kareem Hunt could be that three-down back? Personally, I do. Um, and I think if you're the Cleveland Browns, you got to maybe think about, uh, you know, using Kareem Hunt as trade bait um, in this offseason. Because, like, look, of course he's been good for the system. And I think that, like, having two healthy running backs is great. Ultimately... I think Nick Chubb is the guy in Cleveland. He's really their most important player right now. He's their best player on the squad, in my opinion. I think, you know, keep feeding him. Um, and then, you know, if he gets injured, unfortunately, like if you were trade Cream Hunt, you wouldn't have necessarily that reliable RB2. But I think if you're really in win-now mode with the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson hopefully comes back, I think you could use Hunt as, as a trade piece. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Great take, Cream Hunt. Let's see him go somewhere else other than Cleveland. He is, in my opinion, a three-down back that can catch the ball in the backfield. But yet, Cleveland has Nick Chubb. If you want to have the best backup running back, in my opinion, keep him. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't put him on the field more than about six to seven times running the ball. Because I do believe in having a number one running back in your stable and giving him the rock at least 20 times a game to set up other plays. To me, Kareem Hunt, he's just a great backup, but Cleveland has nothing else right now on offense, so why not do it? Yeah, honestly, Dominic, I think that he could be a number one running back somewhere else. I'm kind of hoping it for him, but look, if he's going to be, if he's happy in Cleveland, who are we to judge? I think that regardless of who plays quarterback for the Browns this year, they, even if it's Deshaun Watson, they still will be a run first team. I think that's their identity. Run the ball, old school football, Dominic, like the football that you like, and, you know, kind of uh, be able to, to win the game through the trenches. Um, I was watching, uh, you know, OTAs on YouTube, and I just love, like, seeing the guys kind of getting back to, you know, kind of, like, making contact with each other and just throwing the football around, running routes and all that stuff. It's just so good to see that. Just, like, watching that stuff gets me so pumped for the NFL season, Dominic. 100%. Things are revving slowly, but surely... Unfortunately, what happened with all these teams getting fined last week for being too rough? Do you have any information on that? I, th I think that what the NFL is trying to do is protect players at all costs. But yeah. even during practice now, we're seeing certain drills not be implemented. Uh, maybe you could talk to me a bit about more of what happened with regards to that. Honestly, Dominic, it's, uh, it's funny, Mitch. You were actually kind of one of the uh, the first ones to break that news to me. Um, and for sure, I'm all about player safety, and I totally get that. Um, and, uh, you know, with the amount of, like, concussions and, and major injuries we've seen over the last few years, and, like, that's why, like, uh, like flag football is really becoming a, a more of a, of a popular sport uh, just because a lot of these guys, you know, are getting injuries. And, and of course, later on in life, it leads to uh, – in some cases to, to severe issues, which is of course sad. And um, which is why we always talk about safety first. Yeah. I'm a little bit surprised to see the NFL finding teams for, you know, practices that they're doing. Um, I don't know. I, I like, I get it for sure. Uh, I'm curious to see like what drills, cause I didn't get the whole story. What drills are, are they allowing? What drills are they not allowing? Um, look, I think that ultimately like you, you have these NFL coaches, you have guys that know what they're doing uh, unless they're doing something excessive, like, 
these guys got to be ready for the NFL season, right? And of course, when you play at the NFL, it's it's contact. And if you're running a slant right through the middle of the field, the defender's not really thinking about, oh, uh, you know, I want to kind of lay this guy, guy down gently. Uh, I want to hit him as hard as I can to make sure he doesn't catch the football. So that's ultimately what these head coaches and um, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators are getting these guys ready for. Uh, so I'm not sure like how I feel about that. Uh, but like I said, I don't want to sound like I'm not about player safety. I am, but you know, the NFL is, is obviously a contact league Dominic and that's what these guys sign up for and they know it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. A hundred thousand dollars fine recently on uh, Ron Rivera, for example, for the Washington commanders due to excessive contact in drills. So to me, I think an old school mentality is kind of like, you know, you want to get your players prepared at all costs mm -hmm. um, to be ready and willing to play week one and not having any doubts in your abilities whatsoever. And sometimes that obviously uh, you need to rev up practices in order to get to that level. But however, as we've just discussed, it seems like the NFL is going to have to find a way to keep it as safe as possible and try to find a balance between player safeties and where exactly you want your players peak levels at during practice. So it's going to be interesting to see, but those were very brand new finds that I had never seen before ever in NFL history. Yeah. That's why when you told me about it, Dominic, I was like, wow, like that's uh, that's something that we, we have to talk about for sure. Cause it's something that like, I really never heard uh, happening in the NFL, but like the, the NFL is taking strides in the right direction. We see a lot of like concussion prevention, um, we see uh, like, you know, the different helmets. We see some guys that have dealt with concussions uh, kind of have that extra foam and like that cool little thing at the, the top of their helmet there. So uh, I think ultimately what the NFL is trying to do is, uh, of course, the heart's in the right place and you can never, uh, you know, preach player safety uh, enough there. But do you think that's kind of because of where the NFL is headed and how different it is? Because I know, Dominic, like, you and I are kind of from different eras in the sense that when I grew up watching football, it became more like that passing league and like finesse. Uh, and I know you're really more of that, like steel curtain, like, you know, like defense, hard nose hitting, uh, let's run the football, you know, let's chew the clock and uh, you know, let's be uh, let's make our opponents pay for, for trying to score touchdowns on us. Do you think that's kind of because of where the NFL is headed? Yeah, I think social media and the public forums being so prevalent in society and culture, mm -hmm. I think that that has added an extra opinion to where football should be and where all sports should be, whether that's good or bad. I mean, it's to each their own, but that is probably the biggest factor that has brought the game to where it's at today. I loved the NFL growing up and I remember seeing it. It was, and still is an extremely violent sport. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do know that these players, they, they decide to play football from an early age. You know, they play peewee football and they play high school football and they play college football, they know the ins and out of what happens on a football field. Mm -hmm. But we all know we don't want to see a guy paralyzed for playing a sport. We of just course. don't want to see that. So we want to see a sport that's played at its highest competitive point. We don't want to see the game completely change because we are seeing the, the, the game change. And we've mm -hmm. seen the, the game evolve throughout the years. But it, it really has evolved to a point where we're at in 2022 that we're really trying to protect our players as best as possible under the circumstances where we're at in 2022. Culturally, where we're at on a sport level. Mm -hmm. And I think this is going to be the, the, the new norm. And I think that this is going to be something that uh, we're going to have to embrace until equipment, for example, helmets, get to a point so sophisticated 
that you can really hit somebody. And as long as they're, you know, their bodies and brains are protected, then you're good to go. Yeah, for sure. I think he hit on a lot of great points there, Dominic. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, basically the, the, like the wrap with that is kind of like the NFL is, is a, a lot more about player safety now than it has in your past. And ultimately I do think that's a good thing. Um, so yeah, let's move on now, Dominic. We got uh, one of my favorite players in the NFL, Hunter Renfro, signing a two-year deal, $32 million contract extension with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I think that over the last season, I really started to keep an eye on this guy and like how high his football IQ is, how well he knows the game of football, the way he runs his routes. You know, not not the, the guy that's going like, to base you with his speed or it's going to go up in Moss guys, uh, you know, that's going to uh, gonna put up uh, 150 plus yards a game. A guy that has sure hands, a guy that you could go to on uh, key downs, key situations, you know, fourth and five, you need to go for it. Uh, you run him like a little slant in or a dig route. You know, he has those uh, those reliable hands and uh, and for a small guy too, can make uh, catches through traffic and while being contested. So super happy for, for Renfro. Uh, like I said, Dominic, two-year, $32 million contract. Obviously, the addition of Devontae Adams. Now, Hunter Renfro, maybe it's a little bit less on his shoulders. But when you have a guy like him uh, on the team uh, with, uh, you know, obviously probably not going to be double team with all the attention going to Adams. Maybe Hunter Renfro is poised to even have a better year than he did last season. Oh, maybe. It will all depend on how Josh McDaniels designs his play. He seems to be uh, an offensive coordinator that likes to you know, spread it around, throwing it to his running back, utilizing his entire personnel. So for sure, we're going to be seeing Hunter Renfrew a lot in this offense. We all know that Devontae Adams is really gifted, and we will really see how gifted he is in his abilities to jump from Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers at the helm to Derek Carr. That's going to be a really interesting kind of storyline to follow all season long to see can this combo lift those Raiders to the playoffs. And I think that Hunter Renfrew kind of comes in and supports that chemistry and will be the guy that's going to be coming in in the slot. However, there are other players on this football team that will also be interested in terms of the wide receiver position, uh, how they play out. One of them is Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole is a very similar player than Hunter Renfrew. So it's nice to see that they have some depth there. One guy that's kind of shocking to see in this offense is Demarcus Robinson. He just didn't pan out in Kansas City for whatever reason. You know, you had the best quarterback ever almost in Pat Mahomes. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, you're going to Derek Carr in those Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. So it, it will be definitely interesting to see whether or not there's a chemistry there as well. Because after that, I don't see much. Perhaps, you know, a bit of a Justin Hall. They did uh, sign this rookie. They're going to be relying on like the top heavy guys. We talk about Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro. Uh, Robinson, like you talked about, speedster there out of Kansas City. I think this year, you know, is he may be limited uh, with that Raiders offense. But, you know, we talk about injuries, Dominic, and like how uh, much of a like, factor that has been in the NFL over the last two seasons, especially to the wide receivers. So I could see him making an impact potentially later on in the season if we see um, – an injury to these these Raiders, uh, the Raiders wide receiving core, because you can really never have uh, enough wide receivers, especially with uh, the amount of injuries we've seen over the last few seasons. Yeah, I think this guy's going to come in and potentially be uh, another slot receiver. So they seem to be very, very well established in that area. And it all starts with Hunter Renfrew. So to answer your question from the very beginning, how will Hunter Renfrew really fit in this offense? So mm -hmm. he will probably be 
a lot bigger than we actually think. And we're going to see a guy most likely like Darren Waller getting less targets. And I say that only because of the amount of depth they have invested in the slot position with those Raiders. Crazy, Dominic. We talked about the Raiders for uh, for a few minutes there and almost forgot to mention Darren Waller. That's how exciting this receiving core has been. If you're Derek Carr, you got to be licking your chops and being super excited with the new toys you have, um, with those that where this team is headed. Uh, Justin, uh, Justin Hall, Dominic. I uh, just looked at uh, you know a few of uh, his stats and stuff. He's known as a very shifty player, uh, and I think that you know that's kind of. You can see maybe the one thing that they have been missing in this offense, you have a good route running. You have Devontae Adams, who is shifty, um, but, you know, kind of uh, more of like the uh, that wide receiver, you know, that's got speed, that's got hands, but not necessarily the shiftiest. So I think that to answer your question, the more I think about it, the more I think that, you know, maybe this Justin Hall guy can make um, – an impact on a few plays, maybe even using the special teams for them. Obviously, that's a big part of the game that uh, we don't talk about enough here. Talking about those Raiders, Dominic, the AFC got a lot better. The AFC West uh, got better for the most part. If I'm asking you right now, are the Las Vegas Raiders a playoff team? Will they make the playoffs this season? What are your thoughts? No, very simple. No, they will not. But however, we, we both know that things are crazy in the NFL and Usually the team that you don't think is going to do good for whatever reason, boom, it just happens to fall all into place. And when we look at this beautiful depth chart uh, from uh, those Raiders, we see a lot of talent on this football team and it's very well balanced. You know, we talked about Darren Waller. We didn't have, we haven't even talked about Josh Jacobs, who is a right. decent running back in this NFL. So it's not like you, you have nobody at the running back position and uh, on defense, we talked about it a few weeks ago, how Max Crosby really came out and uh, basically was the image of that Raiders defense. Uh, we talked about uh, how they added Chandler Jones to this defense. So, yes, yep. all around, this is going to be a very interesting football team that's just going to be outside the bubble and not making the playoffs this year. I agree with you, Dominic. I think that the Raiders will not make the playoffs. However, I'm a little bit surprised with how emphatic you answered that, Dominic, almost as if you knew what I was going to answer and you jumped on that and said yes right away. Yeah, no, I just, to me... The way that I the AFC is great this year, right? Like they like it's it's you can make a case either way for any team. I feel like yeah, it's just like the the amount of parity in all sports is Mm -hmm. every year getting closer and closer and closer. And that's a that's a great design from all sports leagues how they go about to get their players and they share the wealth. And usually you want to see everybody you know get a a crack at that championship. It starts from the top. It starts from Mm -hmm. the president hiring the right people and getting the people that they need to win football games. And I think that bar none, the entire NFL does that fairly well. The only couple, unfortunately, organizations that have suffered in years past are, for example, the Lions. You know, those poor <laughs> Lions, they haven't done much as of late. Those poor Jets, you know, we, we feel for those Jets. Luckily, they have good fan bases to support them. But I'd like to see them get an opportunity. You have to draft well. You have to have the good personnel. And I think a team like the Raiders is finally putting it all together. And mm-hmm. they hired at least, you know, a good coach and Josh McDaniels, who we hope is going to be a good coach uh, because we, we all know he was a stinker with those Denver Broncos. And that was just a <laughs> horrible experience for Josh McDaniels. But I'm sure he learned from it. And I'm sure that the Raiders are going to bounce back amazingly this year under Josh McDaniels. I think we got something good going, Dominic, with the AFC West. It's, uh, you know, a division we've talked about a lot, but I think you rightfully so uh, going to be uh, very competitive this year. And you just look at all the the names in that division and, like, the studs, and it's, like, it's going to be a division that you want to see 
every single like there's not a game in that division that's going to be like a boring game like you're looking at like maybe like two teams that haven't been great as of the years past like let's say you take the the broncos and the raiders uh but that's going to be a good matchup right now right like you assume with the, the additions of um the stars that they added on both those teams who do you have as the favorites in that division i'm sticking with the kansas city chiefs i look Mahomes is the best quarterback, arguably, in the NFL. He's, he's the best quarterback in that division. I think the, the departure of Tyreek Hill will definitely make a big difference. But when you got speedsters, you know, um, that, that you know, aren't necessarily going to replace him, but could kind of replicate the stuff uh, or the connection that, I don't think you could ever replicate the connection that Mahomes and they all had, but you could still use guys on that team in the Tyreek Hill type position. You add Juju Smith-Schuster, who, you know, is a guy I like and um, a guy that uh, that I loved watching with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You still have the best tight end in all of football in Travis Kelsey. You still have Andy Reid. So if you're asking me right now who wins that division, I'm going to go Kansas City, and I ultimately still do think they're the favorites. Um, and I think that some guys, some people, analysts are writing them out because of the Broncos, you know, um, getting uh, running Russell Wilson and the addition of the Raiders, addition of like the Chargers and how, how good they've looked in years past. But if I got to pick one team, Dominic, I got the Chiefs representing the AFC West this year. 100%, William, I agree. I think Kansas City had the best draft. I think that the, the one player that's the glue to this entire offense, believe it or not, was last year's rookie, Creed Humphreys. This guy fit in this offense like a glove and he was able to kind of like, rejuvenate a whole new offensive line for those Kansas City Chiefs. And you're not going nowhere at all if you don't have an offensive line. So kudos to Andy Reid and the entire organization for finding the, the ability to replace an offensive line in a very difficult division. I know you have a lot of confidence in Pat Mahomes, but now he's been in the league for a long time. And obviously we have a lot more game film than ever before. So we're able to you know kind of pick Pat Mahomes apart if we want to, if we have the personnel to do it. However, the other key to this offense is clearly Travis Kelsey. Yeah. As long as you have Travis Kelsey and Pat Mahoma on the same team, that is chemistry that's going to take you most likely minimum to the playoffs. I think that Travis Kelsey might, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, be the best tight end to have ever played the game potentially. Between him and Gronk, it's going to be close, but Travis Kelsey is climbing that ladder. Uh, yeah, honestly, Dominic, like I always kind of had that debate with myself. You look at Gronk, you look at, uh, you know, Gonzalez obviously playing with the Chiefs and the Falcons and everything he did. Like, I really do think Travis Kelsey is in that conversation for best tight end of all time. And I think with the departure of Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman will have an even bigger year for these guys. We've seen like over the years that with the Chiefs, like they've been using him in, in different ways. And he's been a guy that's been able to step up for them. So I can see him potentially taking over that Tyreek Hill role. And I think that he's got to be super excited about what happens uh, for, you know, for them this season and with the, the chance of being an even bigger threat to this offense. Let's talk about the wide receiver position, Dominic, and your boy Chase Claypool. I don't know if you heard this week. He said he is quote unquote, not normal. And he is a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, look, Dominic, I, I like Claypool. He's my boy from Notre Dame. He's Canadian. Um, and um, he was uh, a guy that, uh, you know, was was very, very exciting to watch with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Um, and balled out there, has balled out so far in the NFL. As a Steelers fan, um, I do you like guys saying stuff like that? Do you like guys being confident um, in, uh, you know, in their abilities? Of course, you want guys that believe in themselves. Do you think this is a little bit over the top from Chase Claypool, uh, especially with the antics we've seen from him uh, in the past few seasons? Or are you kind of confident and, uh, you know, you like seeing this out of uh, a young wide receiver? 
I think Chase Claypool is building himself maybe, you know, his profile to play on another football team in the future. And mm. this year is going to be an amazing opportunity for Chase Claypool to really show what he can do. We got Deontay Johnson, uh, wide receiver one. Chase Claypool would be wide receiver number two. They don't have Ben Roethlisberger, so if they ever were using him as the excuse, uh, now we're going to have a lot younger quarterback, and we'll see what kind of connection that he can do with Chase Claypool. I love a guy that's confident. Don't get me wrong. I just think that Chase Claypool is a guy that's a bit of a prima donna, and unfortunately for us, as Steelers fans, we're kind of stuck with a guy like that. We needed a a red zone wide receiver, and that's the reason why we drafted Chase Claypool in the first place. Mm -hmm. Now we have George Pickens. If you ask me... We're not going to hear another wide receiver's name in Pittsburgh for the next decade other than George Pickens. Mm -hmm. This guy is the real deal. He is a monster. He might even become, and this is bold for me to say, out of a guy that got only drafted in the second round, but the best wide receiver in that class are none. This is how good this wide receiver is going to be. And I think that he's going to probably make the organization so happy to have drafted him. They're going to be able to probably play a bit of hardball with Deontay Johnson's contract. Hopefully that kind of wins in Pittsburgh's favorite as a fan. You know, you want to see as much talent for the right price. Uh, we also have Calvin Austin, the third, who is going to be a great little gadget player to add in that offense. But again, are we going to see this next year? Probably not. I think this is a, what we're going to see in the futures within the next five years or so give or take, once Kenny Pickett really gets established in that offense. Unless Mitch Trubinsky happens to pull the magic wand out of his hat and becomes an NFL star himself, it is possible. Don't get me wrong. He Mm. obviously came from Chicago and had a horrible experience, went up to Buffalo, learned a bit you know, more of the air raid offense that Buffalo had under Allen. So can he replicate that talent in Pittsburgh? I'm going to say no. That's just, I've seen enough game tape. I'm going to say no. Mitch Trubinsky is basically there to fill his role one year and Kenny Pickett will arrive in year two. And that's where we're going to see the George Pickett, Kenny Pickett combo. It's going to really drive all Steelers fans to another level. And I can't wait to see it. I'm with you on that, Dominic. George Pickens was a guy I thought, you know, had first round talent, uh, but obviously there was a ton of wide receivers this year. Only played four games this past year with the Georgia Bulldogs, still won that national championship. The year before, he had six touchdowns. In 2019, he had eight. Uh, I like him. A lanky receiver, a guy that has a high vertical and is able to, uh, you know, uh, catch those uh, those high footballs in the air. What you said about Mitch Trubisky, Dominic, I think is spot on. I am like, I'd say even more of a non-believer in him than you are. I just don't think he's a good quarterback. Back. Uh, I think that he was drafted, you know, a, a year early. I think he could have stayed at North Carolina for that extra year. Trubisky could have. Um, and I, I ultimately don't think he's the answer. I'm hoping that George Pickens replaces Trubisky by midseason. Um, and I know that you're kind of more of the uh the guy that likes to see, you know, quarterbacks sit out a whole year and learn. Um but if I'm Pittsburgh, look, I'm I'm starting the season with Trubisky. You know, I like I think that's uh, that's you know the way that you got to go ultimately. Uh, but I think when he struggles, and I think it's going to be inevitable that he does, that you can kind of put a guy like George Pickens in there. You know, make your first mistakes in uh, your first few games, uh, barely next year to come back. Uh, but yeah, no, Pittsburgh is obviously heading in different direction than the years past. It's going to be a new time without Big Ben. Going to be crazy to see those Steelers uh, without the man that brought them two Super Bowls. I know Dominic as a Steelers fan, it's going to be weird for you. Definitely Definitely be, will be uh, weird for me as well. Uh, but uh, look, interesting times in Pittsburgh. We're going to see what's going to happen there uh, with their young QB. And I think Kenny Pickett was the right decision at quarterback for them. 
Dominic, something I love doing and love listening to is predictions in the offseason, whether that's Super Bowl winners, award winners, uh, you know, t- under the radar teams that people uh, think are going to come up and surprise some people. Let's play a little game called Worst to First. Uh, Dominic, I want to get your opinion. I guess I can go first in this one since I'm throwing you on the spot. The team most likely to go from worst in the division to first uh, based on last season's standings. I'm looking at the standings from last year, and I think that if we're going to see a team go from worst to first, it's going to be in the AFC. Um, You know, with you look at the last place teams last year, the Denver Broncos, I can see that being a possibility. The Baltimore Ravens, too. Don't think it'll be the New York Jets. I know you're you're high on the Jets, and so are a lot of other people. I just look at the NFC, Dominic. I don't know. I can't see the Seahawks doing it, especially with a the quarterback there. And they're, they're getting their quarterback, uh, Drew Locke, now his first year there with the Seahawks. I could see him having success maybe in a, in a year or two from now, just not right away. The Lions, okay, look, they're the Lions, let's be honest. Tampa Bay is going to win that division. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens, Dominic, and this may be the most obvious answer, but last season they were dealt a ton of injuries. Um, and I think that ultimately that's what uh, that's what really hurt them. Look, they lost uh, their last six games of the season. They were eight and three at one point, losing six in a row, finishing the season off at eight and nine. And they were last by only two games, right? Look at how close that AFC North was. The Bengals won the division at 10 and seven. Then you have your Steelers half a game behind at nine, seven and one. The Browns and Ravens both finished at eight and nine. So look, the, yes, the Ravens did finish last in the division, uh, but it really was close close throughout and like I said they dealt with those injuries uh I think that the ultimately the Bengals will win the division however I think they if you tell me the Baltimore Ravens win that division right now I am not surprised in the least uh, and I do really think that they are the team uh that has the best chance to go from worst to first um in the division excited to see Lamar to see what happens this year obviously it was a little bit interesting uh, and his contract situation there the addition uh, of sorry I say the subtraction of Hollywood Brown for them um, I don't think will be a massive drop off just because unfortunately uh, Jackson and Hollywood Brown weren't able to get uh, those you know those deep balls like they they would have they got you know a few of them um, but uh, I think that people were expecting more out of that connection so you ask me right now well actually myself and I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens the team most likely to go from worst to first in division this season Dominic great pick William I'm, I'm looking Thank at you. their depth yeah for sure I'm looking at their depth chart right now and I can't believe the amount of draft picks this team was able to pick up and yeah. when you have a lot of draft picks you know you're bound to to create something that works with the system that you're creating for those Ravens and I think that with John Harbaugh you have yourself an experienced coach who's going to be able to put it all together and at least most likely make the playoffs. I would be very shocked if Baltimore next year does not make the playoffs because I too believe that John Harbaugh and the way that they finally solved a bit of Lamar Jackson's contract, let's call it a contract delay because that's what it really is. The guy's going to get paid and he'll get paid whenever Lamar wants to get paid. And that's, to me, to each their own. And if I'm a Ravens fan, I'm kind of like, okay, it looks like we're going to have to invest a bit more money. But six ride receivers, count them, six rookie ride receivers are entering this ride receiver stable in Baltimore. I don't think I've ever seen that. Six new rookie ride receivers. You're going to tell me one of them is not going to be able to replace Hollywood Brown? I guarantee 
we're going to see a guy that we don't even know uh, come out in that right receiver core in Baltimore. The other thing is Baltimore doesn't need to throw the ball a lot as well. It's a very unique rushing attack that we've never seen before. And we talked about it last week where this team is breaking our records, rushing the football. And they picked up a great center in Tyler Linderbaum, who will help mm -hmm. that rushing attack. So keep an eye on him. We just talked about how Kansas City uh, had found their center. I think yep. Baltimore this year is going to be the same thing. They found their center. They're going to be able to ride Lindenbaum with Lamar Jackson. I'm going to pound this in people's ears. The New York Giants are what? going to shock the <laughs> world. So mm -hmm. this season, the Giants are going to be phenomenal. I really think that Brian Dable's offense is going to produce. I think that Daniel Jones is going to probably pull off something that I haven't seen, which is a quarterback getting refused his extension only to get a new contract after his performance. That's going to take the Giants from the bottom to the top in that division. We both agree that right now, I think the division is a bit up yeah. in the air. I think a lot of people think that the Dallas Cowboys are going to take it, but we'll have to see how it's going to play out. I really think that the Giants are the team to watch out in that division. And the Eagles could be a number two, but they're a really big wild card. But uh, for now, give me the Giants from bottom to the top in the NFC East. I like it. Good pick. Uh, I had a feeling you would pick them. I think maybe them, or I said potentially uh, the Carolina Panthers, because I know that uh, it's, it's a it was close. One of the two. I thought that Matt Corral would have created a little bit of a buzz in Carolina, mm -hmm. and it's the mm -hmm. exact opposite. The fact that Matt Corral, who a lot of people are big on, is already struggling big time in Carolina, man, that doesn't bode well for that offense. And they're going to need to go pick up either Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think uh, that uh, quarterback situation. Unfortunately, I don't think Sam Donald is the answer there. But uh, I think there's one last chance for him um, heading into this season is what the Carolina Panthers are hoping. Talking about those New York Giants, Dominic, and the, you picking them to uh, potentially go from worst to first in the division. I think in order for that to happen, you know, Kenny, Kenny Galladay is a good wide receiver, but Sterling Shepard is going to have to have a good year. He, we've talked about him or the NFL and I would say like analysts and, you know, Good Morning Football and NFL Live. And we've heard people talk about Sterling Shepard and the potential this guy has. I want to see him break out this year. Kenny Galladay is going to get a lot of the attention uh, being, you know, I'd say the best wide receiver on this team just because of his name and everything that he did um, there with the, um, with the wow. Detroit Lions, uh, Kadarius Tony, you know, he would they look to kind of shop him and maybe get rid of him for now. He's on the roster, but Sterling Shepard is a guy who's been in the system for a while now. Uh, the departure of Evan Ingram, you know, kind of leaves uh, the, the tight end spot uh, open for them. Not that Sterling Shepard is a tight end, but he's a wide receiver. But still, Evan Ingram was a guy that Daniel Jones would rely on. So you take away him. Really, for me, Sterling Shepard, I want to see him be the number one wide receiver on this offense. And if he's number two to Kenny Galladay, and Kenny Galladay is putting up stats, okay, so be it. But in order for this New York Giants team to have a chance uh, to shock the world and make the playoffs, let alone win the division, he's going to have to have a big year for them, Sterling Shepard. Good receiver, young guy. Uh, I do like what I've seen from him oftentimes uh, in the NFL. There's a few years there. I've drafted him at the uh, in fantasy football. Uh, hasn't exactly panned out for me. But, uh, you know, he's a guy I want to see step up for the those New York Giants, if they're going to make some noise uh, this year. I like it. A nice veteran red receiver. He's a guy that's been there. He's, he's seen it all. And I think that he could help that Giants football team. However, last week we talked about the wide receiver depth 
that the Giants have. And my guys, if I were to run this offense, it would be through Wendell Robinson and Kadarius Toney. I think those two guys are speedsters and they can cause havoc against any secondary in the NFL because of their ability to just play lights out football and take the DBs and just shake him off because of their speed and their, their abilities to juke. If that can happen, boy, are we in for a treat with this Giants offense, the way that it's going to be run through Brian Dable. And the X factor, who really isn't the X factor, who really is the superstar on this football team, is Saquon Barkley. And we're going to see Saquon line up as a wide receiver in this offense. And seeing Barkley, Tony, and Robinson, to me, against any any secondary in the NFL, it's going to be hard to beat if Daniel Jones can just put the ball where it need be. I know I might be crazy. Maybe I drink too much of the giant Kool-Aid, but I think that he's going to be able to do it because he's been there for a long time and has a grasp of what needs to be done in this offense. I like it, Dominic. Great takes. Uh, we're positive on this show, which is often why we do, you know, chance of going uh, from worst to first. Let's play the game, uh, a different game, Dominic. Let's go first to worst here. Uh, and it's not something that we often hear about. Uh, I just kind of, I feel like I made this up on the spot. I don't know if this is a thing. I don't know if NFL talk <laughs> show hosts do this, but I thought it could be a good idea. Look, we talk about, okay, teams that have, were at the bottom of the signings last year that could jump up to first. Well, if that's going to happen, we need uh, teams that played well in years past to not do so well. So most likely to go from first to worst, Dominic. Let me start. I'm going with the Tennessee Titans. Um, I think the loss of A.J. Brown for them is big. I think the loss for them of Julio Jones is big as well. Not as big as the loss of A.J. Brown, but I really do think that people are undervaluing Julio Jones. And look, he was injured. He didn't have a great year with Tennessee last year, so it's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying he had an amazing rapport with Ryan Tannehill because he didn't. But I think with the departure of uh, AJ Brown, he's really a guy that Titans could have used. And look, I look, they bring in uh rookie wide receiver Traylon Books, Traylon Burks, sorry, um, out of Arkansas. They bring in Robert Woods. So these are good guys. They have Austin Hooper as well. But I'm not sure if I can see this clicking right away, Dominic. Ryan Tannehill is not a quarterback I like. He's not a quarterback I trust. Uh, he's a game manager, and ultimately, I'm not a fan of these game managers. I can see maybe Malik Willis taking over uh, at the end of the season for them, uh, whether that's an injury to Tannehill or just the fact that he kind of, uh, you know, is uh, is not performing on the football field. But yeah, give me the Tennessee Titans as the team most likely to go from first to worst. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Titans team, Dominic. I, I picked the Cincinnati Bengals to beat them uh, in, the, in the playoffs this past season, which happened. I believe you did too. I don't know. I'm just, there's nothing about the Tennessee Titans team that scares me, Dominic. And I know your boy, Derek Henry is a monster. I think he's, you know, the, the best player on this team. And like, besides him, man, I just, I don't know, Dominic. And I think that they become predictable in this offense and Tyreek, uh, sorry, Derek Henry is a guy that is able to break out a few runs per game, but ultimately he's held in check for the majority of games. And I think that's because the defenses aren't afraid of Tannehill being them over the top. So they're stacking that box and they know that Tannehill hasn't been the quarter that's able to, you know, put the team on his shoulders and win games. So they're just not afraid of him. Uh, yeah. So give me those Tennessee Titans, Dominic, as most likely to go from first to worst in the division this season. That is bold, William. Yeah. Very, very bold. Yeah. I'm going to completely disagree with you on this <laughs> one. 
I love the Tennessee Titans. I love Mike Vrabel. I love me some Derrick Henry. To me, this is the epitome of a football team from top to bottom. This team plays together under Mike Vrabel, and this is not going to end just because of one wide receiver who wanted some more money happened to be traded. As a matter of fact, they picked up Robert Woods, who mm-hmm. I think is a very underrated wide receiver. Yes, he's coming back from a big injury, but I think he rebounds. The guy that might just happen to be an X doctor in this offense is a guy by the name of Hassan Haskins. Yes, they can drive Derrick Henry to the ground. And I think Hassan Haskins comes in and spells Derrick Henry very, very well. They'll probably be at the very worst 500 if they have to start Hassan Haskins. I see this guy being a very good depth player for this offense. And the only player that I'm kind of like 50-50 on in this offense is Austin Hooper. Who mm. is the real Austin Hooper? Is it yeah. the guy that we saw in Atlanta really deserve the contract when he arrived in Cleveland? Or is it the guy that we saw in Cleveland, which was basically the invisible tight end? So yeah. to me, I think that this guy, if he comes in and does what he needs to do and plays the position like he did in Atlanta, this team is going to be absolutely fine and they will still win the division. It's going to be close because those Colts, I'm very high on those Colts, yeah. but between them and the Colts, and it's almost a coin toss. That's how I see it. For me, the team that I see kind of like struggling this year and I'm having problems to put them dead last. So I'm not going to put them dead last, but they will not win the division. Mm-hmm. It is those Buffalo Bills. And uh, yeah. it is because that offense is going to be completely different. And I don't think uh, the loss of Brian Dables is going to be just erased overnight. I think it's going to take time and that's going to cause, unfortunately, a couple of victories for those Buffalo Bills. If they could figure out the running back situation and just give the ball to James Cook and James Cook only, the Buffalo Bills would be fine. They would be able to ride James Cook and that offense would be completely different. It would just add some more pizzazz and we'd be able to see maybe digs here and, and digs there because this offense really at the core of it all is Stephon Diggs' offense. Yes, someone could say it's Josh Allen's offense. And yes, Josh Allen runs all over the place, but that is not sustainable long-term. We've seen it for a couple of years. Congratulations, you did good. You didn't get, you didn't get injured, but you didn't win the Super Bowl either. Yes, you were sold a Super Bowl, in my opinion, against those Kansas City Chiefs. But regardless, <laughs> the history books will always say that you didn't win that game. Mm-hmm. That being said, the Buffalo Bills will struggle under this offensive line and their inability to figure out their running game. Give me probably between the Patriots and the Dolphins, hey. but I'm leaning on the Dolphins. <laughs> I really think that the, the Dolphins, when it's all said and done, their plan, their vision, they give to a, every possible weapon that he asked for. Now we're going to see it deliver in Miami. Give me Miami for that division. Uh, Dominic, you're teasing me. Don't do that to me. I like it. I like it. I'm going to bank on that. And if, uh, if all hell breaks loose in Miami, I'm, I'm coming for you, Dominic, because you gave me false hope. But I'm excited for Miami this season uh, as a Dolphins fan. And I think that uh, this could be the year they win the division. My fingers are crossed. Hope you enjoy the folks, uh, the show, folks. That's it for this week. Uh, enjoy those NHL finals 2-1 now in the series. Uh, we'll be back next week. Further things to talk about. Obviously, like I said, there's no off-season here at the NFL Power Hour. Stay safe, folks, and enjoy your summer. You are listening to CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal.